Welcome to the first discussion of Herzog, written by Saul Bellow. Today, Austin, Bill, Josh, and myself are here to discuss pages one, two pages, my text, 101. Um, I would like to start, as always, asking everyone's first opinions, first impressions of the book. Austin, how have you felt about Herzog so far? Uh, I think it's refreshing that the intellectualism that we are coming across as opposed to what we saw in last days. It's kind of confusing at times, but as you kind of move, keep moving along, it starts to make sense. The stylistic choices are starting to create a story rather than just random snippets of memory and letters and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I'm enjoying it. It, it, but it is a little bit more of a challenge to get through than some of our more recent books. Josh, your opinion? Um, I'm enjoying it. Like I said in the chat, it reminds me a lot of Catcher in the Rye, um, I, which I really liked, so I like this book. The only part that I was kind of bored reading, or the part I didn't like, was uh, the part with Shapiro. Um, oh. mm -hmm. The like, super long letter to Shapiro. I don't know. It was hard to stay interested in that, but in general, I really like it. Uh, Bill, how's the audiobook going? Uh, the audiobook is great. I re I'm really enjoying this book, uh, and I think it's because the voice of the narrator is so unique, and so, shall we say, like, batshit crazy. <laughs> that it, it, I don't know, I think it's a really engrossing, engaging, uh, fun read thus far. Can we get a quick impersonation of the voice? And so one of the questions that Austin had asked me, or maybe it was you, Eric, um, but I guess in the book you can tell the letter writing versus his internal thought uh, because one is italicized and the other is not. And the way they do it, um, like Moses's personal voice is like more shrill. Um, and then like there's more bass for like the narrator like, you know, telling stories. So, um, Moses will sound like, women eat green salad and drink human blood. He had the butterky face and the cheetah's hook on his ping pong balls. <laughs> Moses Herzog looked at the store and decided he needed to leave. So, um, that, those are not really good <laughs> impressions, but it's a fun, it's, I, I love it. I'm kind of catching the, uh, the difference there. That's fun. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if the narrator is one of the chosen people, but uh, he really captures the voice of the Chicago Jew quite effectively. <laughs> and there's so You're many a West Side Jew. You're a West Side Jew. <laughs> and Eric, how are you getting along uh, with it? I, I don't know. I guess I'm used to the style because I read all of Augie March, which similarly uh, is about like a character's journey through life and all the people he meets. And so I, I came into the book knowing that there'd be a lot of characters and not necessarily like continuing a continuation of their story throughout, but just kind of, you see snippets of their life through the main character. So I don't know. I kind of knew what I was, in for going in. I've had to reread a couple pages once or twice to get the philosophy, but I'm not even really sure the intellectualism 
that we're seeing in the book is really made to be uh, poignant or not. Like, I don't know whether like he's just trying to put philosophy in there to have philosophy or if he's trying to like say something himself, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. It's again, like you guys have all said, it's a lot deeper than the last couple books we've been reading. So I'm having to spend some more time, like really thinking about some of the ideas, but I enjoy that. So I'm enjoying the book. Good. But Josh has also read that part with uh, <laughs> very droll. Oh, and, and the, the guy that was there during the uh, like the picnic and stuff. Yeah, the one flirting okay. with his wife. Yeah. And then was didn't he go puke in the sink? Yeah, because they had a little squid. Classic Shapiro. Her song was like, why didn't you throw up in the toilet? The toilet was right there. Why'd you puke in the sink? um, Does anyone have any questions that they'd like to start with? uh, I have a very broad question. Sure, go for it. Um, And I guess just like a conversation starter discussion question. Um, What's up with Herzog? How would you characterize him? How would you describe him? What's going on in his life? Manic, depressive, par- paranoid, schizophrenic. He's every he's every mental ailment. <laughs> Hyperbolized. Josh, do you agree with that description of him? Just insane? Um, no, I don't think he's insane. I, I agree that he's paranoid. I think he's like a paranoid intellectual that has problems communicating with people on a deep level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think he's a good guy. Sometimes. Most most of the times he's a good guy. <laughs> I think uh, I think what I forget which of his friends, I think it might even be Madeline that characterizes him as neurotic. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really good word because it, there is so many pages where he's thought out this small uh, interaction he's had with somebody else and he's considered it from every single angle and the conclusions that he's drawn are so far removed from what actually happened that you can see that he's 100% inside his own head. So neurotic, I think. I I don't know about depressed. Like, obviously he's had a lot of shit happen to him, but most of it is, I think self-caused and so i don't know we'll see how it plays or the rest of the book plays out but if i were to pick one word i would definitely be neurotic because the dude really 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 considers finite details that don't really matter so uh with that because we're we're talking about who herzog is and everything i find it difficult to really put my finger on it because uh I feel like he is explaining all these things that other people are saying about him, but it's from his perspective. And there's been more than one occasion in which he's t- talking to somebody and trying to explain like who Madeline is and how she is, but then she's also talked to that same person and explained how Herzog is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in the final letter uh, to the to the student... Um, or from the student to Herzog, uh, she says, oh, she was definitely trying to sell herself to me. Like, she was trying to put, paint herself as the sane one. Um, and I feel like both Madeline and Herzog are doing that with all of their interactions, all of their 
all the people that they're interacting with. And I find it strange that almost every situation results in somebody choosing Madeline over him. So like his lawyer convinces him to take out an insurance policy for the kid, but then gives, you know, takes Madeline's side. Um, his uh, therapist is like, oh, wow, this lady's so interesting. I need to meet her. She becomes his patient, and then they hook up. Uh, I don't know. Well, they hook up according to Herzog. But right. Is that so, the reality, or is that a delusion of his? And that's also what I'm not sure about, because it seems like all these things keep happening, but you read it, and you're like, I don't know that that's what's happening. I think that's what he's telling us is happening. Yeah, because you definitely get like when he's talking to uh, Sander. Uh, I forget his last name. It was like Himmelstein. Himmelstein. Yeah. Himmelstein. Himmelstein. Yeah, when he's talking to him, he said, "Oh he's well, uh, Madeline's definitely just paid you to tell me <laughs> that if we go to court, then she'll get the full custody, so that I don't try for the custody because that's not what she wants me to do. It's all this great setup." Yeah. So you you definitely get some delusions on his side. Yeah. Uh, Extreme paranoia. Every guy that somehow becomes socially involved with Madeline in Herzog's head, I believe, has slept with Madeline. <laughs> <laughs> what I really appreciate about this book is that, like, I don't trust the narrator at all. And so, like, I'm just second guessing everything, which mm -hmm. is a really, um, I don't know, it keeps me interested. And active as the reader. Yeah. Which is nice. He's also a very bitter person. Yeah. Everybody mm. in his life seems to have done some wrong to him. Well, how much do you, of that do you think is where he's at in the present? That could be. His situation. But, yeah, but that, I, I still don't think that the current situation like just uh, takes away the fact that he's really bitter and still yeah. holds all this stuff against somebody. It could be that the situation sure. makes it come to the surface in these letters, but uh, it's still there. He still thought about it in great detail. And now he's just putting it down on paper. I, I thought the part where he was talking about like the moral decay of the present society and our abandonment of our religious uh, cornerstones I thought that's interesting because I, people say that in the 60s, people I'm sure have said that like 70s, 80s, and people still say that today about how far removed we are from our religious origins. Yeah. Um, um, that's a question I had. Um, just generally, what do you think the role of religion is in, in the novel? It's pretty strong. Pretty strongly laced. A lot of religious ties between Jewish and Catholic and Christian as far as like what specific role it plays, I mean, it could be the fact that he's been divorced twice and that's like a, a deterioration of what normally would have been frowned upon. Uh, like the studies, I, I feel like the intellectualism <clears throat> and the philosophy studies that he's doing uh, may bring into question like the religious ties between philosophy and mm. religion or academics. Um, why do you think the main character's name is Moses? 
and what associations does the name Moses bring to your head as you read the novel? I don't know. Like in my head, it's uh, it wasn't. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but you know, Moses was the shepherd of his people. Uh, to me, it's someone who like knows the way and leads others. But it's almost ironic if that's the association I go with, because it seems like Moses has lost his way and doesn't exactly know the path forward. Um, I so. I have these grand theories uh, about religion in the novel. Let's hear them. So, so first, Moses had this period of uh, where he was wandering, right? Before he led the uh, Jews to Israel. He spent 40 years uh, in the desert, and they're in the wilderness. And so I think maybe this beginning period of the book is him in the wilderness of his mind. You know what I mean? Like, he's kind of, he's lost, his thoughts are lost, and he he doesn't have, like, a path forward, and he's trying to, like, find his purpose, maybe. Um, The other other theory I have, this one's a little more bonkers, is that um, (laughs) Valentine is a Christ figure, and that uh, his wife Madeline, which suspiciously sounds very close to Magdalene, right? (laughs) and moses was a prophet but uh at least from the christian perspective jesus is the true prophet right and magdalene is a disciple of jesus and so magdalene the like the right path for her the correct person to be with would be christ and so moses was like a stepping stone as like the first prophet for her to get to her uh, true path, I guess. Yeah, that sounds really good until that is so until Valentine put June in the car because he was going to go have a fight with Madeline. But I don't know if that's what happened, really. But before we get there, before we get there, let me call your attention to really a like the first one though <laughs> but let me let me call your attention to a couple of passages here and it, and moses is talking about and i'm going to be flipping between 77 79 and 80 where moses okay. is talking about valentine and he says he has the eyes of a prophet uh a shofat yes a judge in israel a king um he later says He shook his abundant hair into place. It had fiery, dark depths. At the back, it was brutally barbed. Uh, And and Valentine's hair, often described as red and fiery, almost like a burning bush of hair. Uh, You know what I'm saying? And he says, (laughs) He was a king, an emotional king. And the depth of his heart was his kingdom. Uh, He appropriated all the emotions about him as if by divine or spiritual right. And Moses recognized that under his own rules, the man who had suffered more and was more special, and he conceded willingly that uh, Valentine Gersbach had suffered harder and that his agony under the wheels of the boxcar must have been far deeper than anything Moses had ever suffered. And it's this constantly telling us that Valentine is this great sufferer, this prophet. He has He's likened to divinity a lot. Um, 
that makes me think he's a, a Christ figure. His great, his hot sorrow, molten sorrow. Right. <laughs> oh my God. That is incredibly astute. Bravo, Josh. Thank you. Um, so one thing that stood out to me is uh, regarding religion and, and Moses is that when Madeline brings him to church, he says, like, what a church? What am I doing here? I'm a Jew. I know temple. What is... What? You want they should go to church? Um, but then a lot of his scholarly work has focused on Christianity and Romanticism, which I thought was kind of ironic that being a Jew, he would be a scholar of Romanticism and Christianity. I don't know. I don't know what it means, but... Um, it just, at least personally, kind of, like, undermines his, like, scholarship a little for me, since what he's studying doesn't align with his personal identity. So it just is another, well, like, was, ambiguous characteristic. I was always a little confused about how, because he seems to not really identify himself as a religious person. Um, and I know there's like Judaism, the religion, and you could be of Jewish ancestry, but, and it, it seems like he, uh, identifies himself as Jewish, Jewish more in the, uh, like secular sense than in the religious sense. You know hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Like almost like a rate, like a race of people rather than full blown religion. Right. Like, he's not a practicing Jew, I think. That, I mean, that's mm-hmm. at least my impression of him. I think equally as they talk about uh, Christian or Christianity and how uh, modern society is moving away from it, I think he talks about, like, the reformed Jewish temple and how it's uh, devolving. And so I don't think he thinks highly of his own religious identity. What does he think highly of? So that was, I don't know, nature? He likes yeah, nature. I think, I think <laughs> he, I think he, for him, meaning in his life is like sex. Yep. I would agree with that. All the women he describes, like, I forget who he was talking about, but he's like, oh, she wasn't a stupid woman. She had a good breast and <laughs> voluptuous <laughs> legs, like. I was like, oh, so a woman's intelligence is somehow connected to her bodily form? <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah a, right. there's definitely a lot of passages where it describes the female, but it's strictly uh, what they look like and mm-hmm. not at all how they act or their uh, personality traits. Yeah, and even uh, think... Himmelstein does the same thing because he's like, oh, if you go to court, she's got the tits, she'll get the kid. <clears throat> I think I don't I don't know if Moses appreciates like respects them if he uses them but there's a lot of misogynist like rhetoric in a lot of the things that he says there's like I don't trust these people women right. you know, well, and, oh they eat think. green salad and sorry now the one passage that I like uh, women eat green salad and drink human blood 
Uh, uh, but is that is it, but and would you, Bill, say that's something that he's had? That's a belief he's had the, his whole life, or a belief that's been thrust upon him as he is going through the thoroughs of his second divorce? I don't know. That's difficult to say because I feel like everything in this book is presented through the lenses of this deeply embittered man, and so just everything is flawed and everything is fucked up. It's really difficult to look at anything objectively because of how it's presented. Yeah, agreed. That's really smart too. But I, feel, I just feel like anyone that's gone through divorce multiple times takes that opinion of, oh, women, oh, they're all harpies. They'll be sweet to you one day, but then once they get their hands in the pocketbook, then or the day after marriage, then you see the real person. Well, I mean, somebody who is like that is also likely to get divorced. <laughs> Agreed. What came first? The misogynist opinions or the divorce? I think he, I think he like, you know, he has this very high opinion of sex. Like, sex is very important to him. And marriage is like a tool to attain that for him. And not like, like, to him, having a happy marriage is not a goal. A marriage is a way to get to his goal, which is having a lot of sex. I don't know, because doesn't he describe Madeline, or when he's describing his marriage with Madeline, he uses a line that's uh, many sexual battles, or something yeah, like sexual that. sexual combat. Yeah, sexual combat. And I just feel like someone who um, sex is their like ultimate goal wouldn't describe it as combative. <clears throat> well, but, but I think but also I think... that relationships, like you know, there's a social aspect, and so arguments happen a lot. So that's more in terms of like the intellectual battles that a couple may have, or the uh, religious battles that they may have. Like they have their own, but I think he's seeing it as like sexual battles. I think that shows that that's what he's working on. Especially because he seems to have this great fear of not performing well sexually. Yeah, that, that's definitely there. Like, there's this part that I'm looking at on, on 54 where he's talking to Zelda. And he says, ah, that, he understood. The ejaculatio precox. His look became stormy, his heart <laughs> began to pound. And he said, there was some trouble for a while, but not in the last two years, and hardly ever with other women. These were humiliating explanations. Zelda did not have to believe them, and that made him the pleader, but put him in a, at a frightful disadvantage. He couldn't invite her upstairs for a demonstration or produce affidavits from Wanda or Zinka. And he just, like, goes on and on and on. And I think it happens yeah. like, two or three times where somebody, like, <clears throat> or he feels like somebody's questioning his performance in bed. I think that's why he gets so mad at Shapiro. It's because he is able to, like, delight his wife in a way that he knows he can't. Uh, I mean, of course not sexually, but... Yeah, but not sexually, but he comes in and he talks of... Uh, all these theories and his wife is so excited and so happy and he just gets so um, jaded because uh, he can't do that for her. I do think uh, inadequacy is something that's constantly on Herzog's mind. Fill your big mouth with herring, Shapiro, Herzog thought. And mind <laughs> your own fucking business. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> And the funny thing is, it's uh, 
because it's like Gershbaugh and who is the other guy that he's accusing of having sex with his wife? Uh, uh, Edvig? Edvig's a Dr. psychiatrist, Edvig? yeah. Okay, so it's like those two he's accusing of having sex with through his letters and stuff and it, through his own thoughts. Shapiro, it never really crossed his mind that they were having sex, but they were like having intellectual intercourse. Yeah. Um, and it's weird that he hates him so much. Like, you know, if you were to put up the uh, the three men that he's kind of against in this situation, he hates Gershbaugh and uh, Edwin or Edvig or whatever, <clears throat> but he doesn't hate them bitingly. He doesn't say, yeah. stuck your mouth full of herring. I just find that interesting that he's so much more uh, intense with Shapiro. Can I ask, when he sleeps with Wanda and uh, whoever, there was like, there was more than one. Zinka, Ramona. Like, yeah, Zinka. Well, but Ramona was later. Was this all while he was married to <coughs> one of his wives, or was this in between the two marriages? I think it was when he was married to Madeline. Well, I think one of them was when he was in Europe, which I think happened after they got divorced. But I know that Zelda is very clear in saying that he was having affairs during the yeah, and he said, yeah, and he said something like, yeah, but it wasn't that many women, or something like that. So it's just interesting that he's so um, terrified of the idea that someone else is making his wife happy, and yet he's going to other women instead of his wife at the same time. Yeah, but I think that's like in line with what people thought in the mid-20th century, right? That it was okay for dudes to sleep around, but not okay for women. Uh, so what else do we want to talk about? I want to talk about... It's not a question, I just think that I want to talk about something that I thought was really good writing. If that's allowed. Yeah, um, go for it. So it's the last... what. 20, not even, 20 or so pages of the, of this section, where he's going to see Himmels, Himmelstein, what's it, whatever his name is, uh -huh. the lawyer, Sander? Yeah, yeah Sandor. Um, and I'm going to com compare real quick that to when he gets to uh, the beach house to visit his other friends. So Himmelstein, um, we're constantly told he's a dwarf, uh, he's missing a piece of his chest, um, his teeth are fucked up. Jutting teeth, uh, disfigured breast, uh, and we get this very like impish, kind of like gremlinish view of him. And then <laughs> he's a lawyer, right? Um, which I think has a certain connotation, and we're gonna get there in a second. And he's talking about <laughs> a life insurance policy with uh, yeah. Herzog, and he's trying to get Herzog to agree to this. Uh, and it's it's a lot of times um, it's it's they they use very like uh, uh, I don't know the word I'm looking for they talk about life and death a lot obviously it's a life insurance policy he says just now I don't feel like making arrangements for for my death and Sanders says what's so great about your effing death uh, and talking about it and then finally uh, Moses was shaken he began to reconsider all right he said what's all right 
I'll take a policy on my life. And he agrees to this life insurance policy. And then, uh, uh-huh. now keep that in mind, we get to the beach house, okay, and he goes upstairs with um, Sizzler. Sizzler? Sizzler, right. And Sizzler, he, he walks Moses up to this room, and so they have this conversation about their souls. Uh, and Sizzler says, can't dump the son of a bitch, can we? Terrible handicap, a soul. Moses answered in a low voice, I'm not even sure I still have the thing. And I thought, doesn't it seem like he just made a deal with the devil, right? Like, we have this lawyer who, and lawyers often are compared to being devils or hellish, especially this one who's, like, described as an imp or a gremlin, and they use this language like, yeah, I'll take out this life insurance policy, like, my death doesn't matter, and he leaves, and then he goes, and he has a conversation about his soul, and he says, I don't even know if I still have it anymore. And I thought that that was, like, so clever. Wow. So well done. Yeah, that's really good. That is really good. And it's something that I didn't really pick up on as, like, a an overarching symbol. Do we want to do, like, predictions? Um, but if you it's have hard. a quick question, you can go for it. I, because we've been talking so much about Herzog and his... Um, shallowness i guess i it's interesting because when he uh is going to meet who's the girl that's with sizzler libby what's her name libby 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 when he goes to meet her he has this introspective moment where he says you know maybe i just was such a good friend to her because i was trying to fuck her (laughs) and if he was as shallow as we're saying he is do you think he'd even consider that Do you think he would consider questioning He's like, his motivation? He, well, he he calls himself out. You know, he says, "Man, I was really good to her when Erickson tried to stab her, but I was probably only really good to her because she's really attractive." And so maybe subconsciously, I just wanted to sleep with her. Oh yeah, I think. Um, and I just think I feel like a like a true bro. Uh, jerk of a guy who's just looking to get laid wouldn't consider his motivations to that level i think though it's i think it's it happens at an interesting point in the novel because it's after he leaves the lawyer and i think at that moment he's at like his rock bottom i would say and then the 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 thing you brought up before about nature you know he's like taking the ferry and he has this moment where he realizes the beauty of the nature around him and he says praise god praise god and I think maybe yeah. that's like the turning point. And then he has these like introspective self-realizations. Um, so I think maybe, you know, and I'll tie this into my prediction for the future. I think this is like the turning, now, the this turning point in Herzog's life. And uh, this is the point where he's going to be like the Moses who leaves. He's done wandering now. And maybe hmm. he's going to... I don't know, metaphorically lead the Jews to Israel. I don't know how that's going to happen. I just... Hey, Lestine, grab your bags. <laughs> I just... I love that scene when he pulls up to, like, Libby's house, gets out of the cab, she blows him a kiss, and he's like, I gotta get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Why am I here? The train ride was all I needed. <laughs> uh, um, I think 
that Herzog is going to go live in the Ludiville house. <laughs> you think he's going to become untethered? I think, I don't know, maybe it'll be like Thoreau's, like Walden. Like he's going to go live in his like shitty, broken down, dilapidated home. And maybe become one with nature. And write a lot more letters. I think he's going to write more letters. <laughs> I, I'll guess, and then Austin goes, I think... I, I, I don't know. I agree with Josh. I think he's slowly realizing uh, the mistakes that he's made. Towards the end, he also, when, you know, I think Sizzler says, I hear you're a homeowner, aren't you? And he talks bad about the house that he was previously so proud of. And so I just think he's going to, I don't know. I think the letters are what's forcing him to come to terms with a lot of the mistakes he's made. And so I think he, Madeline, and the peg leg dude, Peg like Jesus have a score to settle, and I think potentially he'll win her back. Ooh, damn, Austin. So I, I don't think he's going to win Madeline back. I think that ship has sailed. Um, I, I think that uh, he's definitely going to write some more letters. I do agree with that. I do feel that Josh is on the right path to that. He is kind of coming into some kind of self-actualization or self-realization like, Oh, I'm, I'm kind of an asshole too. Um, and some of these things I bring upon myself and I don't necessarily think he's going to change overtly. It may be more subtle. Um, and it, I, I think he's going to, start making taking steps towards being like maybe a more righteous person but i think that uh he will continuously revert back to his old ways i have a real quick question if i can sneak it in sure so and this might be a dumb one um moses spends a lot of his time writing letters but it's never explicitly written that he sends them do we just assume that every letter he writes, he mails? Or is he just building a collection of letters? They all go straight into the valise, and there they stay. Yeah, that's what I, yeah, I didn't I think he was sending anything. Okay, yeah, I think so he just writes letters. Written, written for himself to make sense of what happened. Yeah. Okay. That's why I think that like unfinished doctoral thesis or unfinished like research that he did was such a uh, powerful image, because... I don't know. I think he's essentially doing the same thing. He's writing a collection of letters that will ultimately go nowhere, but not be or not not be sent. He, he's right, just like he writes a thesis that is never completed or never published. He's writing all these letters that he'll never send. I just wanted to make sure. Um, thank you. All right, that concludes today's book uh, book club talk. Nice. Have you pressed the stop recording button? I can in a second. Do you want to do a proper send off? Uh, no, that's good enough. What, what's our next? Uh, <laughs> what's our next reading?